please would you take your copy of the scriptures and turn with me to Mark chapter 10. And we're going to read verses 46 to 52. Mark chapter 10, verse 46 to 52. came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city a blind man Bartimaeus that is the son of Timaeus was sitting by the roadside begging when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth he began to shout Jesus son of David have mercy on me many rebuked him and told him to be quiet But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and called him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Please keep your Bibles open there. I wonder if you've ever heard of Homer the cat. Homer the blind cat. Uh, Because uh, a few years ago, there was a lady in America by the name of Gwen Cooper who took in this blind cat from a local vet's who had had his eyes actually stitched closed because they ha- he had no eyeballs. And so to stop any infections getting in, the, the, net, the vet uh, performed this surgery on him. And uh, she took him in and she called him Homer after Homer who wrote the uh, famous book, The Iliad and Homer's Odyssey. He was a blind author that she had studied and so uh, she took that name for him she called him Homer and she wrote a book about him Homer's Odyssey and wrote about this blind cat and how it was a blessing to her in his life and this this book became a bestseller it was translated into 22 languages around the world he had his own website following him with 900,000 followers online people were fascinated by this blind cat And uh, this lady, Gwen Cooper, before she was married, she was very glad of little Homer. One night, Homer started growling while sleeping on her bed. Now, she had never heard Homer growl ever. And so she put on her light by her bed. And believe it or not, there was an armed robber in her bedroom. And she reached out to get her mobile phone to call the police. And the man said, don't do that. And as soon as he said, don't do that, the cat knew where he was and jumped from the bed and clawed him in the face. And a man went running out of the house and she was protected by Homer, the blind cat. Isn't that a lovely story and amazing what a blind cat can do? But isn't it amazing what blind people can do in general? Have a look at this array of blind people. This man here is Eric Viken. 
Mayer, I think that's how you pronounce it. He was blinded at 13 years old, yet he is a mountain climber and has climbed the highest mountains in the world. At the time I'd read about him, he'd climbed the five of the seven highest mountains in the world and was the first blind man to reach the top of Mount Everest. Think of uh, a higher climb. Ahaya Klein is a member of the Israeli Defense Forces, and he was a bomb disposal expert. And you know these terror tunnels that the, uh, the, the uh, so-called Palestinians are digging to come into Israel, and then filling with bombs so when any soldiers go down them. Well, he went down there to dispose a bomb, and it blew up in his face, and it left him blinded for life. But it didn't stop him. He runs marathons, he climbs mountains. What an amazing man. Or what about this man, Zohar Sharon, who is the world blind golf champion? How do you play golf if you're blind? It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, I can't play it when I can see where the ball's meant to go. How they're meant to, how you have that skill to get the ball in the hole. It's astounding, isn't it? Or think of our favourite Fanny Crosby, who wrote 9,000 beautiful hymns that we still love singing, some of those here today. It is just astounding what blind people can do and we can add to that list blind Bartimaeus of the city of Jericho because he was a man of unusual spiritual sight he was a man of spiritual insight and I want to speak to you today about what the blind man saw when Jesus came to Jericho you see the Lord Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem and he had come down from Galilee in the north uh, and he was coming down as they come down the Jordan Rift Valley. If you see a topographical map of, of the land of Israel you'll understand why they come down this way because it's flat down by the river. It's the lowest point of the earth's surface and as they follow the river it's easy walking rather than going up and down all the hills before you come to ascend to Jerusalem. And the last stop before you go up to Jerusalem is Jericho, the city of Jericho. Now, I want to say the Jericho that Jesus came to was the Jericho of Herod, which is still seen archaeologically today. It was the Jericho of Herod. There was the old Jericho that Joshua had destroyed, which had been rebuilt, you remember, in the days of Ahab. That part was still there. Uh, And so there were two Jerichos. And this explains why in some Gospels it says as Jesus was leaving Jericho, he healed this blind man. In other Gospels it said as he was going to Jericho, he was passing between the two two cities. But he was here and uh, it was quite an amazing city. It was a beautiful city. Herod spent his last days here because it was so beautiful and uh, it was a, a popular destination for wealthy priests to live and you remember the parable of the of the good Samaritan and how the priest went past from Jericho to Jerusalem because so many priests and Levites lived here and the Lord Jesus came down he was on his way to Jerusalem for that final Passover and he and the crowd came to Jericho And as he came there, he saw the blind man who was begging. Now, there's nothing unusual to see a blind man outside a city gate begging. A city gate is a good place to catch people coming in and out, hopefully to ask them for some money. Often traders would set up their stalls outside as well. So there was money being changed, uh, changing hands. And maybe a few spare coins would find their way into the, uh, the, the 
the, the shawl on the beggar's lap. But this man, it was a bit unusual. You see, his name, we're told, is Bartimaeus. And, and Mark actually tells us in verse 46 that this means he was the son of Timaeus. The word Bar means son of. Uh, my relatives are Bernardo, son of Nardo. It's a, it's a Jewish name. So you have Timaeus. And the name Timaeus means honoured. His father was once an honoured man, a, a prestigious man. And yet here, somehow hard times had fallen on him, perhaps because of his, his sight uh, being lost. And here he was, begging outside the city. And yet when Jesus saw him, he saw Jesus and he had amazing insight. And I want us to see today four things about what the blind man saw. Because he saw his Messiah, he saw his moment, he saw his miracle and he saw his master. And I think these are important things for us to see because you see this blind man is in the same position actually as you and I. You say, how do you say that, John? Because I'm not blind. Well, he's in the same position in this, that he never saw Jesus, first of all. He only heard about Jesus. You think about that. And you know what? There's not a person in this room who's ever seen the Lord Jesus Christ with their eyes. But you've heard about him. And what this man saw, he saw with spiritual insight. And that's what we want to have as well. We are like Bartimaeus this morning. And may the Lord open our eyes to see these things also. So let's see the four things uh, Bartimaeus saw. First of all, he saw his Messiah. In verse 47, we read, When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now this really was amazing, more amazing the more you think about it. You know, today we're used to hearing people say the phrase, and Christians especially, Jesus is the answer. And he is. Jesus is the answer. But you know what, in Bible times, they weren't saying Jesus is the answer. Jesus was the question. That's what it was in Bible times. In fact, the Lord Jesus asked his disciples, who do they say I am? Who do the crowd say I am? Because this was the big question. Who is he? And, they, and the disciples replied to the Lord Jesus and said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And the Lord Jesus said to them, but who do you say I am? And Peter gave that definitive answer. You remember, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. In Mark chapter 14, verse 16, at the trial of the Lord Jesus, Caiaphas puts Jesus under oath and he says, Tell us, are you the Christ, the Son of the living God? And he said, I am. He said, I am. But that was the question, wasn't it? And in John chapter 7, verse 40 to 41, on hearing his words, some of the people said, Surely this man is a prophet. Others said, He is the Christ. Who is he? That was the question. Bartimaeus knew the answer. The blind man could see it. He said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. In fact, in, in the Greek, and some of you are using the King James this morning, it says, thou son of David. And uh, the thou is in italics, but in the Greek there's a little word, ho, uh, which is before the name Jesus. Jesus, you son of David. <laughs> He's saying, you're the Messiah. 
Because the son of David was a messianic title. In the Old Testament, God had prophesied to David that he would have a son who would reign on his throne forever. And the son of David was a messianic title of the Messiah to come. And Bartimaeus could see it. Even without his eyes, he could see Jesus was the son of David. And he was the one to call out to have mercy on uh, on him. Now, how did he know that? How did he know that? Well, he didn't know by what he saw, because he never saw those miracles. He never saw them, but he heard about them. And he put it together in his mind. And uh, Isaiah 55 tells us that in the uh, covenant between God and his son, he said, I will give you the sure mercies of David. And he said, this is the one. This is the one. He's got the sure mercies of David. He is the one. So Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. What amazing insight this man had. And do you know he was the only one in Mark's gospel ever to call Jesus that title. Isn't that astounding? The only one, the son of Timaeus, recognized the son of David. I want to ask this morning, do you recognize him? Do you have sight to see that? Do you see your Messiah, your Savior, your Lord? You know, I heard about a man who took his son to an art gallery. Now, that's ambitious, so I wouldn't have done that with my teenage son. But he said they went to one of these national galleries where they had these paintings by the masters. And he said he was close to tears seeing these beautiful paintings and the expression and the depth and the feeling and the works of the great masters. And he said all his teenage son wanted to do was, Dad, can we go to McDonald's now? He couldn't see it. And you know what? That's what it's like spiritually when we talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of us, we see the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of David, the Messiah, the Saviour, the Lord of heaven and earth. And others are like, are you finished yet? Because I'm really getting bored and I really want to go. I can't see it. Can you see it? If so, call out to him even today. The danger is some of us won't do it because we don't want to. You know the old saying, there's none so blind (laughs) as those who don't want to see. Isn't that true? But there's a warning. John chapter 8 verse 40, the Lord Jesus said these words, I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be. You will indeed die in your sins. So I pray that God will open your eyes to see the Lord Jesus as your Messiah Bartimaeus, the blind man, saw it. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, <laughs> but, the son, but the Father who is in heaven. And may he reveal it to each one here today. Secondly, he saw his moment in verse 48 to 50. Because in this time, there was an amazing realization for Bartimaeus that this was his moment. This was his moment. Verse 48. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more. Son of David. Have mercy on me. You know one of the things that struck me this week. When I was preparing this. Was the day on which this happened. I don't think I've ever realised this before. And I don't know whether you've understood this before either. But we need read in the next passage that Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey and it was evening. Do you know when this happened? This happened 
on Palm Sunday in the morning. And on Palm Sunday in the morning, Jesus walked past this man and he was on his way to the cross. So this really was a now or never moment for Bartimaeus. As it says in Luke's gospel, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And it was a now or never moment. And so Bartimaeus called out. And he called out to Jesus to have mercy on him. And when Jesus walked by and the crowd were walking by, he called out all the more. All the more. I love that. And the crowd tried to stop him and said, be quiet. Shh, you're disturbing the peace. It's interesting, in Luke's gospel, it says the people who were at the front, who were at the leading end of the, of the crowd, they said, be quiet. You know, those who acted like they had the authority and uh, told him to be quiet. But he cried all the more. By the way, do you know when that phrase is next used? It's used in chapter 15 of the mob who were crying out, crucifying them. Pilate said, why? What has he done? They cried out all the more, crucify him. What a contrast those two cries were. One for the death of Christ as a, uh, in a wicked way and one to call out to him for mercy. But that, uh, Bartimaeus called out and Christ then called him to himself. In verse 49, Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Isn't it amazing how fickle a crowd can be? Uh, but you know what? There's something in this as well. Sometimes we need to realise that we receive the call through other people. And Jesus today gives the call through other people. He's calling you today through my lips. Calling you to come to him. And he came because this was his moment. Verse 50 tells us, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. I love that little touch. Do you know there's four men in the Bible who threw their cloak aside or lost their cloak, left their cloak behind. We read of Joseph, when Joseph was tempted by Potiphar's wife and she reached out and he left his cloak behind. We read of Elijah, caught up in the fiery chariot into heaven and his mantle fell down on Elisha. We read of John Mark, the author of this gospel, in the garden and the young man and the soldiers grabbed his cloak and he fled away naked. Well, Bartimaeus is the, is the third of the fourth men in, in, in the Bible history who left his cloak behind. And he left it behind to go to Jesus. He didn't need anything else. Jesus was calling him. By the way, what was that cloak? I believe it was this. The Jewish prayer shawl. The Jewish prayer shawl was worn by the Jewish men uh, as a, uh, a sign of their outward commitment to the law of God and the Torah. And it was a, a sign to their obedience and it was a reminder to obey him with the tassels on the end as we read in Numbers chapter 15. And a blind man would use that or lay that on his lap and the gift would be cast into it. But you know what? The blind man lay it aside, threw it aside. The law can't help me. <laughs> but Jesus can. And he turned to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he had faith that he was going to leave his life of begging behind as well. This was his moment. 
And dear friends, I want to say that's, a, that's a, an important thing for us to realise too. God has a moment. A moment for us to come to him. When we realise he's calling our hearts. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 1 and 2. That now is the day of salvation. In the book of Hebrews chapter 3 and 4. We hear the cry from the Old Testament echoed. Today if you hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts. As the people did in the wilderness. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 1 says to the young people. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. In other words come now. To Jesus. This is your moment. This is your moment. You know dear friend. God's word warns us in Genesis 6. My spirit will not always strive with man. Maybe God's been tugging on your heart for a long time. And you've yet to come put your faith in Christ. Well follow Bartimaeus' example. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. You better come now. You may not have another opportunity like this again. You may never be this close to grace again. You may never be in a place again where you hear the gospel. God's spirit may not tug your heart in this way again. So come, come now. The hymn writer said, pass me not, O gentle saviour. Hear my humble cry, while on others thou art calling. Do not pass me by. You know, the old philosopher said there's three things you can't get back. A spoken word, a spent arrow, and a lost opportunity. That's true, isn't it? You can't get back that lost opportunity. And I've often thought one of the worst thoughts in hell, for the people who are in hell, is once I had a chance, but I threw it away. I once had a chance. I didn't have to be here. I could be as happy as those people in heaven as they are now. But I threw it away because I didn't care for the things of God. And didn't care for my soul. Dear friends, don't pass this moment by. Turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Why do you think Bartimaeus was so earnest? Because he was living in darkness. And he wanted to see the light. He wanted to see the light. You know, they say what drove Edison to create the light bulb was he was living in darkness. He was living in darkness, but he wanted the light. You're living in darkness. Let me give you a testimony of a man who uh, was motivated in this same way. His name uh, is Douglas. And Douglas lived in Zimbabwe. And Douglas was on his way to buy some cement in town. And he got attacked by bandits. They beat him up. And they left him lying as if for dead on the floor. Sounds like the parable of the Good Samaritan, doesn't it? And uh, his family came and found him, took him home. And yes, he survived the attack, but his sight never came back. He was left blinded and he became bitter. And he lived a life in bitterness and darkness. One day someone turned on a radio and Transworld Radio was broadcasting the gospel. And he started to hear about Jesus Christ. And he listened again, he listened again. And he turned and he put his faith in Jesus Christ. You know, in 2016, he went to the Transworld Radio Studios and to say thank you. He said, I came here to tell you that your broadcast touched me. I'm here because of your radio programs. I was made blind so I could find Jesus. What a testimony. (laughs) What a testimony. And that was his moment. This is your moment. Don't let it pass by. 
come to the Saviour and put your faith in him today. The third thing I want you to see here is the miracle he saw. He saw not only his Messiah, he saw not only his moment, he saw his miracle. Because in verse 51, the Lord Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Now I like this man because he was clear in what he wanted. He knew he wanted a miracle. Jesus gave him the greatest offer. What do you want me to do for you? It was actually the same offer he gave in verse 36 to James and John when they came to him with their mother. Uh, But they asked for selfish things for wrong reasons and Jesus said, I can't give those things to you. But this man, he knew what he needed. He needed a miracle. He needed a miracle of healing. He didn't ask for money, though he was a beggar. And I'm sure money would have been very much appreciated to be able to fill that hungry stomach of his. He didn't ask for his honour to be restored, being the son of Timaeus and now being a beggar on the streets of Jericho. But he asked for his sight. Rabbi, or Rabboni as it is in Greek, I want to see. He knew that mattered more than anything. If he had his eyes, he could see the Lord Jesus do those miracles. Then he could testify to others. Now, I don't think it's true, but I think it's got a ring of truth about it. In the apocryphal gospel called the the Gospel of Nicodemus, Bartimaeus is one of those who testifies in favour of Christ at Christ's trial. And says, heal me. Now, we know that didn't happen from the Gospels. But I can well believe Bartimaeus afterwards was going around saying, I was once blind and he made me see. Can't you imagine that? He knew what miracle he wanted so he could live for the Lord. He would be able to read the Bible, read the scriptures for himself. He'd be able to work again, earn a living, give to the poor like himself. He knew what he wanted. And he not only knew the miracle, he saw the miracle. Jesus, it says in verse 52, go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight. Now immediately is one of Mark's favourite words. Jesus does things with amazing power immediately. There was no gradual healing here. It was immediately Christ's power was released. And this miracle happened. What an amazing miracle. Just stop and think about this by the way. I wish Cressy had been able to be here to explain this better to us. But I've got a picture here of a human eye. All right, and I want you to think about the uh, complexity of the human eye. And what's in focus here is the different rods that enable your eye to differentiate light and darkness and color. Do you know that your human eye has 130 receptor rods, receptor cells? 124 million of those are rod shaped. And differentiate between light and darkness. And six million of those are cone shaped. And they can identify up to eight million variations in colour. The human eye is a staggering piece of equipment, isn't it? You know? Uh, It has a lens. It has a cleaning system with a tear duct. It has an eyelid to protect it. It's just phenomenal. Your eyes expand to let in more light when it's dark and narrower when there's good light and you don't need so much light. 
Isn't it just amazing? And yet how complex. Even Charles Darwin said, to suppose that the eye could have been formed by natural selection seems, I freely confess, absurd in the highest degree. I wish he'd stopped his work there. (laughs) But he was right. It's amazing. Could you heal one of those? You know, today we can't fully heal blindness. We can do things to help people, but we can't fully restore blindness. But the Lord Jesus Christ, with a word, not with a touch, with a word, healed this man. Go, your faith has healed you. He trusted, he saw a miracle, and this man uh, saw that miracle come to pass that he needed. You know, dear friends, do you realize what your miracle is you need from Christ? That you need your spiritual sight restored to be able to see him clearly? That you need saving faith, that you need salvation from your sins, a new heart to believe God, to walk with God, to trust God, to obey God. Do you see the miracle that you need? And if you do, have you asked the Lord for it? Have you said to the Lord, humbly, like he said, Rabbi, with respect, I want to see, I want to be saved. That's all it takes is a little prayer to the Lord Jesus. And he will answer if you come in faith like Bartimaeus did. You know, someone asked Mel Trotter, the converted alcoholic preacher, how he knew he was saved. (laughs) His answer was classic. He said, I ought to. I was there when it happened. (laughs) Were you there when it happened? Were you there? Can you point to a point, a time in your life saying, well, I was saved? If not, then come to the Lord today and ask him for that great miracle. Finally, I want you to see he saw his master. Because the story ends in a beautiful touch. It says immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. After Bartimaeus was healed, he didn't say, great, wonderful, I've got to go to the library. There's a load of books I want to read now. He didn't say, I want to go home and see my family. All my friends, they won't believe it. Jesus said go. But you know what he said? Oh no. I'm staying with you. I'm following you. And he followed the Lord Jesus along the road. He had been begging by the road. Now he was following Jesus on the road. You see he was so thankful. For what the Lord had done to him. You know when somebody touches you. With their kindness like that. Especially somebody saves your eyes. The thankfulness you would feel. You know, this is a a story I read about uh, in the newspaper where some men were testifying to an experience they had on the battlefield in World War II in Africa. And they had the medals from the Africa, medals uh, to prove that they were in the conflict and they were medics. And they said basically what happened was the battle moved while their, their medic tent was set up and the battle moved and they, the armies retreated, but they were treating people in surgery in a medic's tent. And all their troops retreated and went on. And the Germans advanced around them. And suddenly, into their tent, walked Erwin Rommel. And he sat down in a chair. And Erwin Rommel was suffering with bad eyesight. And he'd had some problem with his eyes. And he said, can you help me with my eyes? And the doctors went and helped him with his eyes. When he got up, he said, thank you. He said, you will not be taken 
and he said, I will set men outside to say that this medic's station will be allowed to finish their surgery and then catch up with their troops. It's an amazing story, isn't it? He was so thankful for the help on his eyes. This man was so thankful that the Lord had healed him. He said, I want to follow him. You are my master now. What a, what a big thing that was. What a challenge that was. I mean, he just learned to see again. Do you know that takes time for a person who's had their eyesight suddenly restored? A man by the name of Shell Jennings in America uh, had an operation, two operations in 1991 to, to improve his uh, partial sight to, uh, back to restored sight. And his fiancée said it was a very, unnerve-wracking t- very nerve-wracking time for him. He wasn't able to trust his vision yet. Like a baby, he was just learning to see. Everything was new and exciting but scary. And he was unsure of what seeing means. You can imagine it, can't you? A whole new experience. But this man, he saw his master. And with all those challenges, he said, I'm going to follow him. And he followed Christ along the road. Probably cut down a palm tree branch because that's where they got the palm trees from for the for palm sunday from the city of palms jericho and he was going to proclaim him his king do you know friends i wonder if you see christ as your master someone said when i was younger there's three things every one of us must find life's master life's mate and life's mission those are the three things we must find but it begins with finding the master Is he your Lord and Saviour? If you haven't yet put your trust in Christ, made him your Saviour and your Lord, do so. And then go out of these doors and follow him spiritually along the road to glory. Yes, amazing blind people. But they're even more wonderful when they see things too. I pray that every blind eye to the truths of the gospel here will be open today. And people will receive spiritual sight. And salvation as they put their faith in him. Let us pray. Our Father we thank you for the great lesson of Bartimaeus. We thank you for the the way in which he is so like us Lord. In that he only heard these things but he believed. And I pray that as we hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. We will exercise faith in him too. And perhaps even while we're singing our last hymn now. We will say thou son of David have mercy on me. In his name we pray. Amen.